Who's gonna open a beer? I've Are they all open? Yeah, they're already they're open. open. I, I cracked mine uh, in the kitchen and I was like, You can probably uh, pull the sound from a previous episode if you want. Or Where's Adam? We need him to do the. <laughs> that was, the it was so best. good. It was it was less audible in the uh, I know. recording. I I don't. I, I'm sure that you tried all I did, the things. I absolutely did. Yeah, but it was still good. Yeah, I even like cut the intro song short a little bit. Uh-huh. Like normally it runs for a yeah. while. Yeah, but I cut it short specifically, like raised his levels and everything, <laughs> just to make it. It didn't. Whatever. Anyways, so what are you drinking, Corey? Oh, good question. Because it's I, not whiskey it's from yeah. whiskey. <laughs> I'm drinking a beer. Um, this is the Boojum, Boojum Brewing Company Oktoberfest. It's pretty tasty. Boojum. Yeah, B-O-O-J-U-M. Cool. What's it taste like? Uh, an Oktoberfest. <laughs> it's excellent. A, is that yeah. a type of beer? Yeah. yeah. It's an Oktoberfest oh. Marzen is what it's called. It's a Marzen. How did I not know that it was, that, that was its oh. own beer? Yeah, yeah, it's like really malty and delicious. It's kind of like a brown, but okay. it's like a spiced brown yeah. kind of. Cool. Yeah. What are you uh, drinking? I am drinking uh, one of my absolute favorite beers of all time, which is Triple Crossing's Green Dreams, which is, oh. I believe, a double IPA of some form. But it's like, it looks like it's uh, like a it's, milkshake. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's so good. Soft and pillowy it and delicious. Reminds me of like a um, creamsicle almost. Like just Kinda. that it is thick and citrusy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's got the, the nice hop bitterness to yeah. it too. So you don't. It's not just overpowering you with like tart sweetness, like some like grapefruit yeah, IPA yeah, as well. Yeah, but it's really, it's I, I love this. Beer and it's so super much. hazy. I I love mm-hmm. I love the Green Dreams. I am, I mean, manhandling a uh, how is much thirty two? I don't even know. It's a crowler. It is a thirty two ounce crowler of Falcon Smash, also from Triple Crossing, which they gave me for my birthday when we were there. Excellent. Yep. Really? Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I went to go grab a can of Falcon Smash before I came here, and I found that my last can of it, not a big can like that, just a normal can, um, had apparently developed a pinhole leak somewhere in the center. Oh, no. Right underneath the label. So it was like fizzing up and out from behind the label, and like there was beer all over the bottom of my beer fridge, and I was... That's so weird yeah i know i was i could it took me a minute to figure out which one was leaking because none of them were obvious and then i squeezed it and i was like mm. oh you squeeze yeah. the cans can squeeze the you can. squeeze your, your cans i squeeze the cans squeeze yes your cans boobs <laughs> 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 high five the highest hey. of fives the first thing that i want to do is to say happy world mental health awareness day Oh. Belated. It was yesterday. Okay. October tenth. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either until like Saturday. But apparently that's that's its own day. Uh it's an actual day that's recognized by who? The World Health Organization, which I think is super cool. Yeah. It's and important. It is. And I think that all three of us can agree that we're all advocates and safe harbors for anybody that needs that sort of thing. Yeah. And also today happens to be National Coming Out Day. Oh. So again, I think that the three of us can agree that we're all Yeah. You know, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, behind that, into you, and you know, yeah, and the friends, the mental stresses that if you're in that situation, if it's not mm-hmm. welcoming, yeah, can you know exacerbate. The three of us have a mutual friend that went through some really hard times when he came out, and uh, the main thing that I learned from that was that you you never really understand how much just being there. 
for that person can really help. Yeah. You know, just, just to listen and, uh, you know, just be around. That's Absolutely. awesome. I was unaware of both of those things. Do we have amendments? I didn't. Yes, there's one amendment. Okay. Uh, 2GR motor does, in fact, not run the Miller cycle. Ah, okay. It oh, r- the new one? It runs the Atkinson cycle, which is similar to the Miller cycle, except it's not supercharged, basically. So All the, right, so refresh my right, memory. So basically what happens is the engine can, because it's it's not doesn't happen all the time, but it can hang the intake valve open for longer into the compression stroke so that it bl- it can blow some of the charge gas basically back out into the intake. In the supercharged application. Yeah, it, in, in both. In both ap- the, the, the Atkinson cycle, in, in modern engines anyways, does the same thing, just it's not supercharged. The purpose being what exactly? Uh, thermodynamic efficiency in some way, shape, or form. Um, I, that Hold was, on, my, I that was my bad with the two GR. That was yeah. my bad. I said Miller cycle. It's definitely Atkinson's and it's all, or at Atkins, Atkins cycle. And it's only on, I believe the newer two GR direct injected motors, like what's in the Tacoma and right. stuff. I don't think it's like all the older two GRs. It is not. It is not the, uh, older two Gs. It's, um, I, some acronym of letters after 2gr fks fks kxe some i can't remember exactly it doesn't matter i read (laughs) (laughs) i basically read the entire wikipedia article but i can't remember now and it's also in like this the 7gr and the 8gr and like the all these crazy what are those in i don't know man okay probably hybrids go down most of them are in hybrids yeah okay Uh, so in fact almost all of them all of the Atkins cycle GR motors are in hybrids. Okay. So the difference the difference between Miller cycle and Atkins cycle is that Miller cycle is charged. Yeah. But otherwise they work the exactly the same in that the intake valves are open into the compression stroke. Correct. For the purpose of cooling the combustion chamber. Okay. Yeah. They also run I, I think up to like 14 or 15 uh, 14 to 15 to 1 compression ratio oh geez oh so, wow yeah so, or something like that i i can't remember all the numbers specifically i was down the wikipedia rabbit hole before you guys got wow. here so would that also not serve to like lower on like not not as like a what am i trying to say like a wastegate you know you're lowering the like a wastegate would control the psi of the uh, charge air would this not sort of lower the compression or the charge air volume or something? The wastegate doesn't control... I mean, it does, but it doesn't necessarily control the PSI. That's more the blow-off valve. The wastegate diverts exhaust around the turbine, so it's not spooling the turbo. But that's its job, right, is to... It, yeah, to it maintain. makes the turbo not work. Right. So, like, that's that's how you you don't overboost. That's the wastegate's yeah. job. Mm-hmm. So, it, yes, the the drawback is that you lose power, but it is more thermodynamically efficient somehow. I, I think I think it is I think you get a, a better burn of the gases. I I'm I'm mm. not really sure exactly why you do it, but uh it's it's about efficiency. Interesting. That's 
way over my head. Yeah, I don't whatever. really understand it. It's whatever. But that was literally the one amendment uh, that led me down a forty-five minute uh, yeah. Wikipedia <laughs> trail. So I'm sure that a lot of people who got paid a lot more than we do figured all that out. Yeah. The obvious answer to me is, uh, you know, Rotary. It is an uh, answer. <laughs> there. <laughs> There's Atkins Cycle Rotary Engines. It's fine. They're really? Yeah, I know. How? I, I didn't read it. I I don't I don't know. The only way you could do that is with like I port really weird port shapes. I'm sure. Okay, but that actually makes sense because um, with like with bridge porting, you know, the if you do like a really long bridge port, your your port is open way into the compression stroke on the bridge port. That's that, why there they you sound. Go. That's why they sound so like they're, yeah, the idle is like so uneven and choppy. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Huh. I'm still waiting to hear about the you know they filed that patent for the one rotor um, range extender. Yep. For their hybrids, you know they're talking the big game with the six cylinders now yeah. with all these new SUVs that are coming out. And still haven't heard anything about this uh, rotary. They know. had a diagram of it, I think. The in rotary? one of their presentations, yeah. Oh, uh, the recent the, one? Yeah, it was. They were using it as a range. Ex- I don't think it was a single rotor. It may have been a dual rotor, but it was oh, in, in a like you know. Cool. Range so they haven't forgotten about us. No, it's still there. But I mean, it's not really a performance thing. So no, but I mean, you know, the the dream is that they'll use they'll use it, develop it, and then the RX Vision will come around whatever that ends up being maybe one day beautiful car that's the dream anyways right john felton just bought a motorcycle he bought a ducati super sport 900 and it is very pretty oh my goodness yeah wow Look at and that. his his announcement that he bought it was with this pretty great hunter s thompson quote there are some things nobody needs in this world, and a bright red hunchback warp speed 900cc cafe racer is one of them. But I want one anyway, and on some days I actually believe I need one. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What are we talking about? John Felton bought a Ducati. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's so cool, it's too. It's really pretty. Yeah. Um, did he, he like got it on sale to sell. Like he was going to flip it? Yeah. Is he riding it? Oh, I don't Wait, know. He, he just he just posted that he bought it just now. Uh, so this is not the white, no, brand he, new. This one. is forty three minutes ago. Okay, it's a red Ducati. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, yeah. He had bought. Um, I, I don't I don't know my Ducati models, but I like two months ago, he had bought a brand new white one that was like on a year end closeout or something. He got it for a crazy deal, like a brand new one. Yeah. Oh, and. He got it specifically to hold and then flip. Okay. I don't know if he's actually gotten rid of it yet. I imagine that that new one would indicate that. But that dude goes through some cars, man. I mean, that's kind of his job. But uh... (laughs) Wow. So do you guys remember Ross, the guy who would bring his gray Honda Fit with us on the cruise sometimes? Yes. Nope. Okay. Gray? I thought it was white. It's gray. Okay. It's whatever. a gray first oh, gen. Oh, yeah. Set. Yeah. It okay. has some really yep. interesting graphics on the sides. Mm. Um, he went. He drove. He lives in Northern Virginia. He drove from Northern Virginia to Road America in Wisconsin. I saw that this past weekend. You that can is... see his car on the Time Attack streams from Grid Life. That's cool. Um, he won first place in Sunday Cup by like nice. 0.4 seconds. What? Nice. So I, I saw I, he that. Probably he doesn't was... listen to this, but. If he does, freaking congratulations, dude! That's amazing. That's he so got it. Cool. He got that time on the last, I think, the last lap of the last session of the weekend. Very cool. 
I saw, I, I haven't not really been active on Instagram over the weekend, but I saw that he was driving to Road America. And I was like, if you got to do it, you know, if it's a good car to do it in, I would know because I have and one now. And he sleeps in it too. He drives it to the event, tracks it and sleeps in it and drives yeah. it home. It's it's incredible. Yeah, that seems like that seems like the move, man. Um, yeah, I I just bought a 2009. I say just, but it's been over a month now. Uh, and uh, it's a great car. It's a fantastic car. I'm really happy with that car. Yeah, I, I need to get up with him because I want to know things about tracking it. You had one before, right? I did. When I was married, we had a 2010, I want to say it was. So it was also a second gen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one was a sport, but it was an automatic. So it had some neater features, but I don't really miss any of them. Uh, I miss cruise control. I miss having... So, all right, so the car that I have now is a 2009. I bet you if you got the Switch, if you ordered, like, the cruise control Switch from Honda, the wiring is all there. You just plug it in and it I haven't looked into that at all yet, but... um. So I got a 2009 base model, but it's a five-speed manual, which was my only stipulation that it had to be a manual car. And of the three that were on Craigslist while I was looking, it was the only one that hadn't been in three accidents per the Carfax report. Uh, Yeah, it was the first one that I looked at was like super clean. Um, It was purple. It was a 2011, I think manual sport with like 60,000 miles, but it had literally been totaled twice. So I was like, I mean, it looks, it looked good on the outside. So for a track car, great. But if you're trying to carry your kids around yeah. in that thing, well, no. and just like, I mean, I mean, that creates like, I mean, just, I don't know, like, you know, I, I test drove it, but like, I'm sure that it was leaking, you know, it had to be, it had to have noises and like just trying to repair things and fit, you know, parts back onto that car would have Definitely been a nightmare. For sure. And then the other one that I looked at was black. It was also a base model, and it had like 180,000 miles on it. And that one had come from uh, Jersey, New Jersey. Oh, no. And it had been in a rear-end accident that had – it wasn't marked on the Carfax as totaled, but there was significant rust on this car. It's from New Jersey. Yeah. Well, but then the car that I ended up with was my last choice because it came from Colorado. And the dude had told me that straight up. Like, I didn't even have to ask him for the car facts. He was like, bro, the car's from Colorado. And then I moved to Pennsylvania. Oh, no. Yeah. But surprisingly, no rust on this car at all. I'm like very. All the bolts are easy to turn. Exactly. I'm very, very pleased with, with this car that I ended up with, except that it's not a sport, which. It's just an appearance package, I mostly. Believe. But it has 140,000 miles on it. It has, like I said, no rust, which was very nice. It did have a couple reported accidents on the Carfax, but light damage was what they said. Somehow I ended up with the sport rear bumper, though. So I'm not sure if that was part of a repair. I'm sure I'm sure the body shop ordered the wrong one and just didn't but even say anything. I've seen a, a couple other like first-year base fits with sport rear bumpers. So I don't know if that's like the only bumper that you can get, <laughs> you know, for a body repair. Oh. Or if they actually came with the diffuser thing. Little nubbles at yeah. the bottom. Yeah. So what it I want I want to talk briefly about this text conversation we had when you first bought it 
where I didn't even say anything yet, and y'all were like, it's not going to be a track car. Don't tell him to modify it. And I didn't. And then he was like, so what can you do to these things? And then no, I gave you a I, list. All right. So, I mean, I, I knew that I wanted a fit because, you know, because of my experience with our 2010. I, I loved it. I, I loved that car. It was, I mean, it just, it fits everything. It was so fun to drive. And, th- and this one is too. So I knew that when I needed a new car, when I, when I realized that I needed a, like an actual grown-up car, I knew that it was going to be a fit. If you look at the Wikipedia, which I'm sure you have, if you look at the Wikipedia mm. page for the fit, Honda put an unbelievable amount of effort into making sure that it was an extremely unnecessarily rigid chassis. Well, you say that. But the reason that they did that is because of the location of the fuel tank. Isn't it like under, like the bottom it, of the, like in the middle of the floor? It runs the length of the car underneath the center uh, console area, like where the drive shaft tunnel would be. So it's kind of like an MR2 in that way. Yes, exactly, exactly like an MR2. Huh. Yep. So it had to be like impact resistant from all angles. That was that was the original design. And they realized that that this made the chassis like really sporty, you know. So then they just like upped it for the second gen and just kept on going. If the second gen is like thirty percent more rigid than the first gen, I believe. I don't think it's that much, but it's it it's is a, more. It's all it's a little heavier too, but yeah, it, it's a lot stronger as yeah. well. But still, only like twenty three hundred pounds. It's I think. not a lot. At twenty two for my spec, I believe I read twenty two hundred pounds. Which it's, is that's insane it's, how light that is for a modern car. Oh, well, I say modern. I, I mean, are it's you sure 15. it's twenty two? That uh, seems really low. No, I'm low. not sure. That seems really low. If if, if you said twenty four, I'd believe you. Twenty two is like Miata territory, and there's it's just not possible unless it was made out of carbon. Let me see here. Yeah. Okay. Curb weight, which means what specifically? It's usually no fluids, no passengers. Okay. Curb weight for the second gen Honda Fit per Wikipedia. Is two thousand one hundred and eighty three pounds to two thousand five hundred and seventy nine pounds, which I'm sure is for the hybrid. There was a hybrid version and of these also, cars. It's probably like, you know, base model Japanese spec with the thinner glass and all that. And there was like a one point two liter, I think, in yeah. Japan. So um, I, I'm gonna just go ahead and spitball twenty three hundred pounds, which is still absurdly yeah. light yeah. for that car. I'd say I, I'd say twenty three hundred pounds is fair. That's still lighter than I think. My I FC. think ours is like twenty six or twenty seven hundred pounds, I which don't... is still pretty light for a modern car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, considering, you know, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never been so spoiled in my life. I've got AC, you know. I've got, you know, things that work. <laughs> and you've got a car that it doesn't matter how hard you drive yeah. it; it will still get forty miles per gallon that's, in spite of you. That's the best part to me is that even when I'm driving like an absolute maniac. You know, I did, I drove Old Gun Road for like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour the other day. And my average fuel mileage on that trip was 33 miles to the gallon. (laughs) I struggle, struggle to get 26 miles to the gallon on the highway in the Rev 4. Yeah. I was just driving it down the highway the other day and happened to look at my scan gauge and that thing was at 41 average miles to the gallon. I was like, cool. You know, <laughs> that's incredible. Whatever. I, no big deal. I wonder if your your upsized wheels might... They're actually it. lower. The, the overall diameter the is The overall diameter smaller. is 1.6% smaller 
than the steelies that the the steely end tires that it had on it when oh when I got it. So what have you done to it? Yeah, okay. Uh so so when I got it, I was driving it for a while and I was like this is cool. It could be better. Of course. And like you said, you know, I had I had zero intention of making it like any sort of like tracky thing. You know, I was in my mind, I was like, all right, I've got the Swift, I could turn that into a track car easily now that I have the fit. You know, I've got the FC, which I still need to do something with. But the more that I drove, I was, I'm daily driving this car. The more that I drove it was just like, man, I really wish I could be taking that turn faster. And oh my gosh, my sidewall rollover was atrocious. <laughs> was I mean, they like were 175, 70, 14s or something like no, that. No, no, it was, they were 15 inch, or no, yeah, they were 14 inch steelies, but they were like uh, Wan Lee tires. I don't know, real cheap, fuel efficient. Things. You long ding longs. <laughs> Ling Long is an actual tire brand. I know. <laughs> so was Wan Lee. No, they were Sailoons. That's what they were. They were Sailoons. Uh, yeah. yeah. Tires are cheap these days, man. Tires you can are get weird, some, man. You, you can get some, some good tires. Cheap tires for yeah. You can spend no money on them, but God tires bless. are so weird. When I used to work at MST, my the operations manager or whatever drove a Corvette, and he had like, you know, what like two sixty fives in the rear whatever that car had or that's pretty whatever. narrow on the for c5 a Corvette, no that's a, i think that's about right for the c5 are we talking about a c5 yeah, C5. yeah. yeah, yeah. um th- something ridiculous like that it was cheaper for him to buy from another guy a whole set of wheel and tires than it was just to replace the tires that he had on the thing <laughs> this is why i don't track a c4 even though i could probably afford to buy a c4 well i just i won't do it because tires and brakes are so expensive yeah C4s aren't that bad because they're the same tire front and rear, I think, for like the base model, aren't they? I'm that I'm not sure, but I mean, you're still talking about a pretty chunky tire. I mean, tire. yeah, okay, whatever. So, anyways, you know, I, I drive the downtown expressway to 95 every day, and there are like parts of like the connecting ramps that are like long sweeping turns that I'm trying to take at like, you know, irresponsible speeds and i'm like yo i could be even more irresponsible if i just did this or if i just had this and so at first i was like all right well let me go ahead and like you know i'll order a wheel and tire package and so i looked into that and you know the most popular wheel and tire or tire size that you know people replace for the fits is like a i think it's 205 50 16 15 205 50 15 which as i said was going to be smaller than my the current wheel and tire that I had on there. So I was like, well, that's going to look super dumb unless I lower it. So let me just like, all right, since I'm going to lower it, I might as well put new shocks on it or whatever. So let me just option out that package. I think it was you actually showed me the price difference between like a spring and shock combo. It's not that much Versus more. the BC BR coilovers. And I was like, well, all right, I don't want coilovers. You know, my really my only experience with coilovers is the FC. Those are good, they were, garbage they, coilovers. They were garbage coilovers, and they were way too strong for that car. They were just meant for stance, that's all, nothing else. I mean, I'm not sure that that's necessarily true, but... So anyways. So uh, wheels so, and tires on the fit, you got so, coilovers. Yeah, so I was, I was prepared to buy these wheels and tires because I had found these, I mean, insanely light... Uh, Advanti Storms, they're called. They are flow, f- f- flow forged. What's flow, flow form cast is what flow it is. form cast. But it's like 
you get almost you get a lot of the benefits that you get from forged wheels with a more uniform grain to the metal but and it's also a lot cheaper than forged wheels and also they're light af yeah. these wheels came in at uh, just under 12 pounds each. For 15 by 7s? Fifteen, Yeah, 15 by 7 plus 35s. I am saving on each corner 5 pounds of weight per it's wheel Unsprung and rotational yeah. weight, which is big, big, big. Yeah. And that's for that's for the tires that I got are... Dude, I have no idea what you got. I know what you should have got. Although, did you keep your old Steelies? Like your original set? I did. Okay, so you can switch to those in inclement weather. Yeah, oh yeah, that's well. I mean the the wheel and tire the t- the tires that I got are technically all seasons. Well, I mean if you if you were to get the Falcons, oh yeah, well you could switch to the the other ones. The Advantes the Advantes are only like hundred and fifteen dollars each. You could buy more and throw I'm snow saying, tires on them. Well, I could buy four more and put RS eighty eights or RS. No, what are we getting now? What's the the R triple eights? Not the R triple eights. You said there was something that's better now. What's the best tire now? The best street tire is the RT six sixty, the Falcon RT six RT six sixty, which you could also daily on if you wanted to. They're, okay, it's going to wear out faster. Right. Well, that's they're, yeah. They're technically two hundred. They are two hundred treadwear street tires. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was my fear was that don't drive on them in the snow. <laughs> that was my fear was that daily driving. You know, I, I do about like thirty five or forty miles a day, so. I was afraid that I would wear through them way too fast. You on, honestly, you probably would if you're yeah. driving that much. They would wear out pretty quickly. So the tires that I got were like a 480 treadwear. They were like a uh, all season sport. I think is what they were advertised as. And well, I'll talk about I'll talk more about those in a minute. So I, I did the wheels and tires for a pretty good deal. So all right, so I bought the car using money out of my savings from. The uh, Corona. I was saving up for, you know, to do the the, the, beam, swap. the beam swap and the Corona. And then, <laughs> you know, I, I I wanted to do tires, so I was like, all right, I'll do wheels too. Uh, and then I was like, well, they're going to be smaller, so I might as well do coilovers. And I was like, while well, you're in there, right? So I was like, well, if I'm doing if I'm doing the coilovers, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, I'll do everything. I'll do the the bracing and the sway bar, and you know. And uh, at that point, I was. Did pricing you do anything out. to the brakes yet? I was. I was pricing out the brakes, um, but the, everything that was that I was looking at for the brakes was on back order, so I wasn't going to be able to get it anyways. But yeah, it was all. It was like you know, a compounding thing where it was like, why not? <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, I've got a pretty big credit card bill now too. <laughs> oh no. Um, this build sponsored by Mastercard. Right. And the car drives. I mean, it's. Have you had it, it aligned yet? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It it drives so good. It, it just it feels so good. It it's I, I I can't even explain it. It's so planted. This is the first time I've really like driven driven a front wheel drive car. So I was concerned about the differences, but it doesn't like I I don't know. It's just they're very neutral. It's well. And then, but when you like toss it into a turn and lift, it'll rotate on you. And you right. Can just okay. Ride the throttle to pull yourself through it. It's great. So that is, you know, that that was something that I was experiencing for the first time was this like lift off oversteer situation, and what I thought was happening was that my tires were not 
like weren't weren't sticking properly. Well, you want you want some liftoff oversteer in a front wheel drive car. So I didn't know this though. Yeah, so basically, yeah. all right. So this whole time up until this past weekend, I believed that my tires were unreliably uh, sticky. I, what did I, you I didn't do trust, this weekend? I didn't trust my tires to to. I, I had no faith in my tires because things were happening while I was driving the car that I was not used to. So then last weekend, I went to Hyperfest mm-hmm. and I did a Hyperdrive, which I, I I still think is they're expensive, but the value for money is pretty good. How much does Hyperdrive cost? At Hyperfest? It's like sixty dollars. That's not that. Well, bad. it's the same either way if you buy it online or yeah. at Hyperfest. Well, because I'm at normal NASA track events, they usually also have hyperdrive options as well, where it's essentially you drive one HPDE one session. Um, and it's usually around 50 or $60, which honestly I think is a great deal. And you get a, um, an instructor, an instructor. Mm-hmm. How much time do you get on track? One, it's usually one session. So about 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. I mean the hyperdrive at hyperfest is the same way. It's, uh, I think I think we got 25 minutes, but they 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 advertise between 20 and 30 minutes, uh, and you get an instructor. And the first thing I told the instructor when I went when I got in the car when he got in the car, I said I've got all the right parts except the tires. And he said, Oh well, I looked at your tires and they seem like they should be pretty good. And I said, Well, they're kind of like sporty all seasons. And he said that really shouldn't matter. Let's go, you know, see what happens. So I go out there, and the first the, something and else. Honestly, like for your first track session in in the car, especially a car you're unfamiliar with, yeah. having that that limit of grip being a little bit lower with the all seasons as like say you went out there with RT six sixties, like you would have had to been going real fast to break traction. Yeah, um, I think having that that limit of grip lower helps you learn faster. I think because because the, the car is going to handle the same way on the all seasons at the limit as it more or less will on RT six sixties at the limit. It's just that that limit is much higher. So inevitably, inevitably I hit the tracks limit before I hit any kind of limit in my car. So what ended up happening was I was, I made sure that I was the last one in the lineup because I was also the slowest one in that hyperdrive. It would, they were like four M threes, there was that SW20. You remember that SW20? The red one? Yeah, mm-hmm. that you pointed out to me. That dude was fast as f- dude. Really? I mean, holy crap. In Steve's hyperdrive video, you could see him pulled off to the side like he had spun out into the dark Oh, really? Yeah. That's unfortunate. But there was a bunch of M3s. The, nec- the, the next slowest car to me was a Camaro SS. I was doing point buys the whole time. However, the first three laps, I got good, I got good clean laps and... My dude, my instructor dude was like, what are you doing? Go faster. What are you doing? Go faster. The whole time. The whole time. And I'm like, man, I'm going as fast as I feel like I'm able to. And he's like, nah, man, you got to be taking these turns way later, way tighter. And you're using the brakes half as much as you are right now. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't have any faith in these tires. I don't, I, I can't, I can't do that. He's like, no, dude, you got you got all the right parts. Your tires are fine. Trust me. So then, by like lap five or six, like right near the end, I finally he he finally communicated to me that this oversteer situation was like normal, basically. Like that was um, not 
like it could it's be not, regulated. It's like, not undesirable. Right, right. And I mean, to me, it was scary because I've never experienced it before. So I, I don't know. I, I was upset that that was like the last thing that happened was like finally, like on the very last lap, like halfway through the last lap, I started being comfortable with that that uh, uh, sensation. And, you know, now I guess I have to do more track events. I don't know. Dominion on November so, 13th. I need uh, I need breaks badly before I yes. go out again, though. You're talking about liftoff oversteer and front-wheel drive cars. Yeah. Um, the Fit is usually – the Fit, the Fiat – a lot of those uh, B-spec cars are really good at that because they have such – it's going to sound weird – because they have such bad rear suspension design. Yeah. Because it's just a twist beam rear suspension. It's, it's not it's independent. Bad. It's not a good design. Except know, it works really well in a track application because you can really modulate that liftoff oversteer. But the Fiesta ST, well, base and ST fits uh, Mazda. I think Mazda 2 the Mazda the 2, way. yep, because that's that, also a Mo- uh, Sunday Cup car. Yes. Mm, the way, the thing that really got me to figure out how liftoff oversteer worked and how I could use it to my advantage was I did a. Uh, I think it was a track cross at Dominion and it was pouring with rain. So I had to run my like 185 all seasons on like the Miata Daisy wheels. And I had zero grip the whole time. And I figured out that I could toss it into a turn like a bit more violently than you think and lift and it would start to rotate and you could just steer into the turn and literally give it just enough throttle to maintain this. It's like drifting. You're not obviously not maintaining the drift with throttle like you would in a rear wheel drive car. Yeah. But you can keep that front end balanced with what the rear's doing with the throttle because it's pulling and pushing the front end around. It's very interesting. It's a weird sensation when you first do it, but it's really cool once you figure it out. I have definitely not figured it out yet, but the it, it seemed to be triggered by like braking so i still i also still i do not understand late braking that's like a that's like a like a taboo in in my mind it it doesn't make sense because you know trail braking no like late braking in an apex like you know with the fc it was always like you break early and then you just gas the whole way through basically because it i don't know it just it was like anchored the you know the way the rear end hooked in was you know you could start accelerating even before the apex but with the fit like you got to hit the apex on the brakes and that that like hit that, that that like causes the rear end to come out and if you can do that at just the right time you know this this is like the thing that I figured out in like the second to last turn if you can hit if you can hit that brake right at the apex and get the rear end to swing out man you're hit you're set that's you like you're in the you're in the line. Yeah, you're in the line. You're set up for the next turn, and just it just hooks. Yep. You just go. People shit on front wheel drive so much. I'm I'm addicted. You, I mean, I still like rear wheel drive better, but when you properly use front wheel drive for what the things that it's good at, it is so rewarding and it's so much fun. I think this is going to be a lot more fun than driving the FC, which is something else that I need to talk about. You know. The FC had been stagnating so long. Like, I mean, I I had no real plan for it when I started, like, quote-unquote, building it. Like, a thousand years ago? Yeah. I just, like, threw parts at it and took other parts out of it. And, like, it got to a point where I wasn't comfortable driving it at all. Like, it wasn't good on the street. 
It wasn't particularly good on the track. It had no stereo in it anymore. It had no comfort, you know, uh, creature comforts at all. And, you know, I really feel like this fit is the next logical step for me in a driving application standpoint. So I sold the FC. And I think it was a good move, honestly. It's sad to see it go, but it it did go to somebody that is going to love it as much as you did. I am happy with... I I would have been way, way more upset about it if it hadn't gone to Nick Wagner because I know that he appreciates that car. When David Quinn put that car up for sale 13 or 14 years ago, however long it was, you know... I didn't even know Nick Wagner at that point, but he was living down the street from David and he said that he was trying to buy that car then. And then the first time I had to put that car up for sale, he was Nick was trying to buy it from me then also, but he had like just started going to school or something. It wasn't a good time for him. But he has been after me to sell him that car, you know, for 13 years. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he I know that he appreciates the car and I I'm I'm happy that he has it. I'm not happy that it's gone. I miss it. Although, you know, to be honest, I've seen it more since he's owned it <laughs> than I have <laughs> when I owned it because it just sat at my storage unit. You know, I think before he like told me, before he called me up and he said, hey, I've got money. I'm coming to get the car. I hadn't seen the car for like three months. So, I mean, much less drove it. So, yeah, he's already, you know, He's getting the the rust fixed. He's getting uh, he's getting the steering situation fixed. It had a it had a power steering rack in it that I had looped, you know, and it was kind of kind of janky. He's getting that. He's he's taking care of all the things that I should have and didn't because why I don't know, you know. I I can tell that he loves the car. I understand and I I support your decision and I'm very happy that Nick is the one that ended up with it. Me too. But. What that means is now I have even more money to throw into the fit. <laughs> so what's next for it? Do I don't know. You, do you have any brakes, plans? Please. I, I think brakes. I, 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 I want to do brakes. And all you but, really need is pads, fluid, and lines. So I've actually already done the fluid. I Well, all right. So I flushed the fluid that was in it because I don't think it had ever been done um, with some dot for fluid. What I did not realize is that apparently there are differences in dot four fluids like apparently there is a high temp version of dot four yeah cool didn't know that (laughs) i thought i thought dot four was like the high temp there's it's like motor oil it's like there is a minimum standard to which you can adhere to carry this label and then there's the good shit cool get you some motul 600 rbf 600 yeah i need to look into that and then there are there are so many different brake options for the second gen fit. There are like big brake upgrades that include like you know factory stuff from uh, either an Integra or an RSX. I don't remember. And then there are rear disc swaps. So I just don't know. I don't. If, if you ever want to try to put that in a Sunday Cup, I don't think you can run yeah, a rear disc conversion. That's something that I need I to look into. I think you have to have stock-sized brakes, I'm fairly sure. So you just need better pads and fluid, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, but I'm already out-breaking my tires. So then, you know, af- right after the brakes has to be some more tires, you know, either... 
new street tires that are better or just another set maybe i don't know either way it's an expensive option that i can't really can't really think about you know a whole lot at this point at least for brakes like that will technically help me on the street especially after the hyperdrive my brakes are like worn out now they're bad yeah Um, i i literally melted my street and autocross pads at yeah uh, my first hpd at dominion yeah yeah they're they're starting to squeal now too just like glazing squeal and like not even like low pad squeal but they just feel like they're not gripping at all absolutely yep if you want to be real ghetto about it this will work take your pads off and like sand Sand them yeah it's not dumb if it works is that how that saying goes no (laughs) if if it's stupid but it works it ain't stupid there it is so, uh, but the best thing about the fit is that it fits my kids and they love it because it is blue and they, they, she, uh, Evelyn, my five-year-old literally told me, oh, daddy, it's so pretty the first time she saw it. So that's great. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's it is cool. blue. It is blue. The best is when a, a little kid compliments your car. I had a little kid look at the MR2 one time. He was like, mom, it's the Batmobile. Cause it's, uh, cause it's really angular and it's flat black. So I guess, sure but it made me very happy inside. <laughs> that's great. But I'm not sure that, you know, my daughter telling me that my car is pretty, I'm not really sure that that's the kind of compliment that I'm really looking for with this car. It is a pretty nice shade of blue. I mean, I suppose. It's fine. It's it's the, uh, they call it sea, sea foam blue, I think. Um, and it's actually like a metallic color. It's got some flake in there. It, it, has, it has metal flake in it, so... That's I don't know special I guess it's really under it's a really underrated color in uh, on the forums and stuff but so the hyperdrive you did yeah that was at hyperfest it was at hyperfest and that was at Patriot course it was on the Patriot course at VIR at VIR. At Hyperfest, yeah, which yeah. was last weekend. It was last weekend. It was last weekend. How was that? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> How was your Hyperfest? My Hyperfest was great, actually. Uh, I had a I had a blast. It was uh, good. I yeah. I um. I I. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I just want to say that I didn't do many things this Hyperfest. I intentionally didn't go to look at many things because I needed to spend the time with my friends you know i just i just wanted to be there basically i enjoyed the hyperdrive that i did but i'm not upset that i didn't have more than the one all even though i mean i just said that i was upset that i just figured it out on the last turn but anyways the four days that i spent there with my buddies was exactly what i needed in that moment and i'm very happy that i went i i was commenting i i don't remember if it was to either of you if it was to my fiance that uh i like we got home and I was not exhausted. Yeah, like it was actually just relaxing because it wasn't eight hundred quintillion that, degrees. That's, see, that's something else though too. That's like, fair, but I don't know if I enjoyed it more because of the fact that it wasn't a billion degrees, or if it was just so peaceful. Like it was, it was really low key this year. I I can't believe how few people there were i feel like there were fewer people in south paddock this year than there ever have been and there, this was a pretty big attendance year there was it no it well it it was deceptive because no, camping no. was spread out over the infield i was i was not. told that they sold almost half as many tickets this year what yeah really yeah 
That's shocking to that, me. That, but that makes way more sense because, you know, they had all those tiers for sale. Yeah, and the prices they never, were absolutely yeah, ludicrous. I don't really understand all that. But they never got over, like, the third tier, I don't think. They got to the, the – it was by time, not by numbers. Oh, well. Yeah. Who told you that thing that you just said? Uh, Jesse, my former boss. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He, he said that uh, apparently this year they sold something like 10,000 tickets, and last year they hit almost twenty. I am I am kind of shocked by that. I yeah. mean, again, my well, perspective was slightly warped because I was I spent like ninety percent of my time in the main paddock, and yeah, that was right, super right. packed. Uh, so I the would, rest of the facility was not. Yeah, there was nobody in South Paddock. There was maybe half as many people in the like main camp area. The bathrooms were always clean. Yep. That never happens. You make a solid point. <laughs> the I, I agree with Corey. I feel like there were. You know, usually the South Paddock is light on people, but I really feel like there were even less people this time than oh, yeah. normal. Yeah. Like, because there, there were, besides, well, besides us, there were only like two other sites. Yeah. It was like, and, and they were like dudes and campers. Like, it wasn't like, a well, there was the one, city. there was the one site in the camper, and then there was the one site next to us with all the kids, which was kind of like, yeah. you know, whatever. I don't care. Did you, did you guys see that, uh, like, on Sunday, the the guy came to like monitor the entrance of the the off road trail, and uh, parked his jeep up on the yeah. pile of gravel. He like backed it up the I, pile of gravel for like twenty minutes, yeah. and then he took it down. I, I walked over there and I was like, I have been sitting in this spot all weekend. You're the first person to do that. And he was like, I know, I should have done this on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't... I was I was waiting for you to say that he parked it there for twenty minutes and then moved it because a giant pile of bees came out of it after. <laughs> No, that was uh, that was frustrating, but that seemed to have... moving the trash can yeah. definitely helped. Yeah, I don't I don't know why that wasn't like parking a jeep. I don't I don't know why parking a jeep on that pile of gravel wasn't like the the, the first sign. thing somebody. Well, yeah, yeah, I know, right? Or like, like, okay, the first obstacle for this course is you got to get over the gravel. Right. I I don't I don't know I don't know. Yeah, I I got you. I got you. That was funny. That was so you were talking earlier about how like the just hanging out with the bros was like exactly what you needed. And that's like the one thing, this was the first hyperfest that I ever did where I actually like participated and was driving for the event. And I feel like I kind of missed out yeah. on I like, was hanging out with people. I, I feel like you did too. Honestly, uh, I missed you. Oh, um, thanks buddy. You know, I enjoyed the people that were around. I really enjoyed hanging out with Tom and Steve and Corey and Brian. And I mean, everybody that came. But it was it was weird that you weren't there. It was also weird that um, uh, Richard wasn't there for some that reason. Was yeah. I missed him a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish that they weren't so strict about where you could go and where you couldn't. Go. Yeah, that was also weird this year. Yeah. Because it made it difficult to like transport. Well, uh, maybe like maybe could, we only you noticed couldn't it. Come to the main paddock. Maybe we all. only noticed it because you were in the main paddock. Yeah. Because like. I mean, Before, we would just go up there to say hey to Eric or maybe get a right. ride along or two, but we never would spend a meaningful amount of time right. there. I, I always like I, – I mean, I guess I don't really remember where we always tried to park, maybe near the, the where the drift pad was. Yeah. But, you know, we would always at least make it to like where the drift – drifting uh, – what's that? The skid pad? No, no. The drift – on, on Patriot Course, there's – um The barn right there? There's a barn right there. What's that? Uh, well, anyways, the Patriot Course building, maybe, and then yeah, we'll just walk around from there. But yeah, it was they were they were shuffling people off 
way earlier, like way forward of that. Yeah, and they also weren't running the trolley to South Paddock. Yeah, well, they did. They did on like Saturday, like Twice. fifteen times. No, no, the the trolley was there like fifteen times before eleven a.m. And then I never saw it again the whole or Friday, I guess. Like a the trolley was there a million times on the first day mm-hmm. before noon. Yeah, and then I never saw it again. That's weird. Yeah, it. I was like, did, are they? I, I guess they picked up on the fact that nobody was getting off or on there. Yeah, probably. And then stopped. Probably. But I before noon, I'm not awake yet. Yeah, so. I know, right? I, I rode that thing a couple times. Like, Did just, you? Just catching it at, like, the drift, uh, like, the like the pavilion with the drift skid pad thing or whatever. Um, just ride it over to Patriot or across the, across the to, bridge. Like, the to, general parking. To GA parking, yeah. Nice. I read, rode it a couple times, but uh, mostly just, like, trying to find other people. Like, yeah. Trying to catch up back up to other people. And stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, it was just super peaceful all weekend just to hang out, you know, yeah, and watch race car stuff, you know. I really didn't hate that the whole main field, infield, was vendors this year. Yeah. Um, because it made it did make it, like, seem more peaceful. Anyways, I don't know where. Well, I like that it was along the main road. It was all the vendors. Was yeah. Like vendor row. And then behind that, in the actual field itself, was car camping. There was car camping there. That's okay. all yeah. that was in that field, yeah. Because I, I really do feel like, you know, for most years pr- prior, you know, it's been, you know, cars have, people in cars have just been running between, uh, you know, across that road constantly. And it, it just, I don't know, it feels. I think if they continue to operate it in the future the same way that they did this year, the big key to enjoying Hyperfest is electric scooters. That's, yeah. It's, that is the or, way. Holy cow. Yeah. Or at least some form of, like, pit. Oh, yeah. Pit bike, some some sort of motorized yeah, I transportation. Know. Yeah. I, I, I so bad. I have wanted a pit bike for Hyperfest for the past five years. Facts. But, um, but also, I, I had the thought this year to try to get a riding lawnmower and and then make like a little wagon to tow it that I could like put like four people in. <laughs> but it turns out riding lawn lawnmowers can't tow that much weight. So really, yeah, most of them are are in in the biggest air quotes rated for right. only like four hundred pounds of towing. Oh. I think Is that's that... because they don't really have brakes or like gears. <laughs> they do. It's, it's just rubber bands. Uh, well, it's mostly just rubber bands. But yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, the, well, that, well, I, I did not have I mean, lawnmower. They did not have lawnmower. I know. We still, we still got to do that. So we still got to get Corey on a uh, <sighs> racing mower. I just, I, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> has. To, I, I am convinced that it has to be the cheapest barrier to entry of wheel to wheel racing <laughs> that like exists. It has to be. There, you cannot convince me that it's not. I mean, what else is there? Go karts. That shit is wicked expensive. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure to be competitive in. In mon lo- mon lower, <laughs> wow! <laughs> Lamon, it's the Lamon rower. <laughs> Twenty four hours. Uh, we made 24 it. Twenty four hours of we, we made it one hour into the podcast. Okay. You could get like a a cheap cheap car maybe and get into racing on track. But wow. No. You couldn't get one for $200. Wheel to wheel? 
No, you need a running car with good tires and good brakes and a you roll cage. You don't necessarily... Well, okay, I mean, to be wheel-to-wheel. Okay, so we're specifically talking about wheel-to-wheel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah. like hooligan stuff? Cars are not cheap for that. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Nothing, nothing. Real talk, nothing is cheap for that. Well, but lawnmowers, though. <sighs> How many waivers do you have to sign? All of them. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing with mower racing is that um, there are, like... A million different classes, uh, like like with most racing, right? Anywhere from like literally stock mowers without the deck, down to like you know highly modified. They're going you know fifty sixty miles an hour in a in a in that little tiny dirt track thing, basically sideways the whole time. You know, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so about it. I just like you know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so is there not a class that includes? Whirring blades? No. Oh. Are you a madman? I'm out. First of all, (laughs) that robbed you of all the horsepowers. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you're you're spinning two 24 or 25-inch diameter metal blades. But you could also turn that into part of the sport. I don't know. I don't like how. It's not. Is that twisted metal? Yeah. (laughs) Take out the competitor's tires? I don't know. I I don't know. Ben Hur style. For some reason, I always assumed that the blades became a part of the sport. I don't know why. The the crazy Honda race mower that they made for Goodwood a few (laughs) years back did have a functioning blade and deck, so it could technically mow grass. It did, but that thing was, I mean, it also did like 140 miles. It was that that thing thing was was purely a PR stunt for sure. Oh yeah, it was amazing though. But it still cut grass, is my point. Not effectively, I'm sure. (laughs) You would be able to see like the blades (laughs) whirring around. It's only cutting where the blade is going forward. Where it's coming back, mm. it's not fast. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, I, I think the move for uh, pit vehicles is like is now, it used to be a luxury. Now it's almost a necessity. Oh yeah, it's definitely. I, well, it's, uh, like you said, especially if they continue to uh, traffic parking Nazis. Yeah, yeah. If, if they continue to traffic the vehicles in the manner that they did this year. Um, I think the move is going to be like a Facebook marketplace moped, Maybe. you know, because they can be had for a couple hundred dollars at most. The um, problem with that is transportation. Well, right. Obviously. Um, yeah. The so nice you, thing about an electric scooter, you spend 400 bucks on it. It folds down and takes up no space. It's, it's yeah. kind of nice. I, I, th- I mean, what's the top speed on those things, though? It depends on the scooter, but a, a decent 300 watt will get you up to about 19. Yeah, Which is plenty fast. Basically anywhere between 15 to 20. Yeah. That's you can get ones that go faster. Way more spend than... Spend a lot more money. Way more than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they have about 20 miles of range, usually. If you don't drive them like absolute loons like we Or would. if you don't... <laughs> if you don't if you, race them around the parking you, lot. Yeah. You don't you literally use one to, to tow somebody on a manual scooter. Wait, bike. what? You missed this? <laughs> uh, obviously. Oh my I God. heard about this. Steve, so Steve Gilman, sponsor of this podcast, Spon- <laughs> <laughs> bought at Walmart a uh, a $400, $400, $400 scooter. Well, well let's not talk about price, but he definitely bought it on impulse. Yeah. No, it's, but I mean, that's that's a really good price point for that 
that level of electric scooter. I think it's a solid he, deal. He talked himself into buying an electric scooter the first day of Hyperfest at yeah. Walmart. Yeah. It was, that's I true. That's also fine. bought a $40 manual, like, normal, normal scooter, right? Just with a big... Scoot scooter. Like a big wheel, you know. And so not a little rollerblade. You have to, like, ones. reach weirdly far down with that pumping foot to touch the ground to push it along. Yeah, but... Uh, it's also comfortable for an adult to ride. True. Well, yeah, yeah, it's not. Uh, it doesn't have like rollerblade wheels on it, right? So it's like 20, usable. Twenty bucks on Craigslist. I'm my saying, guy. yeah. So anyways, um, so I got the brilliant idea because on the on the 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 mechanism that locks the folding on Steve's electric scooter, right? So the the, the column folds down and the uh, column locks to the the rear like. Fairing, Fender basically thing. Okay. is like looks like um like a mounting hook for like a strap, right? So I clipped a carabiner onto it. Oh no. <laughs> with a with about a six foot length of rope. <laughs> oh no. And then I had another carabiner clipped what? to clipped to like a little uh a little like climbing strap that I held in my hands while while holding also my scooter handlebars. <laughs> and if if I get if we gave it a good pump, like we had to like coordinate our uh-huh. like our pump, we gave it a good pump. He could tow me. <laughs> yeah, but he could just watch that battery gauge go. Beep. Basically, yeah. So oh my god, on, on the like, so he bought it. Uh, we rode it around. We did the racing or whatever. Uh, you know, everybody took their turns and stuff like that. Be- because of when you have two people that you that are there that both have electric scooters, Literally naturally the first thing, the first thing you do, do is race them around the park. Where was lot. I for all of this? I, I have don't no know. Idea. But him, it, Steve, and John did well, full oh. NASCAR laps around the. So South my paddock. hyperdrive was Saturday morning. This, this happened was on Friday. Saturday. Friday. Friday. Yeah, I must have Friday sleeping. afternoon. Friday afternoon. Yeah, probably, yeah, because by the time was, we went to Walmart and came back... Yeah, it would have been late Friday afternoon. It was after everybody else got there. Okay. I don't, I don't know, Did bro. you... Was, was, was Friday the day you just, like, went and passed out? No, that was after my hyperdrive on Saturday. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why I was asking. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know where you were. I don't know either. It was uh anyway, anyway right. Steve yeah. and John did like full on NASCAR around the South Paddock parking lot and it was cool. glorious. Did, awesome. Like did laps and stuff like that. Sweet. So um Who won? Uh John, John. did by a little bit. His yeah. is a bit more beefy. Okay. It was also interesting because one of them is front wheel drive and one of them is rear wheel drive. And you can really? feel the difference. Yeah. I rode both of them and you can tell. It's really weird. I, Steve's I, is rear wheel drive. John I was not expecting drive. it to be as as noticeable as it was, but even just like doing circles and stuff like that in the on the on the ground, you could tell you look like you're struggling. I, no, I mean I just have questions because I, I mean I, I I physically don't understand. I guess how you would even have a front wheel drive because the motor is contained inside the hub of the wheel, so it doesn't right. matter. But how would you like? How does the battery connect to it? Because the batteries are in the. Either in the deck that you stand on and or in the column of the handlebars. So you'd have to have a clock spring arrangement in the shaft. I think it's limited. I don't think it twists. Okay, so it doesn't. It's not like it's not like a regular scooter where you can just spin the handlebars. No, I don't think so. It it only it I don't it it might not even go past ninety. Ah, it might go. Well, that's almost all the way there. That's half of the difference between the two, right there. I mean, if you're trying to do like racing shit, I don't know. Well. 
I guess you're not doing 90-degree angle turns. I don't think either one would let you, because they both have controls on the handlebars. Okay. I don't think so. So it's not like a motorcycle twist? It's like a thumb push, like on a jet ski, if you've ever ridden a jet ski. Uh, I have ridden a jet ski where the accelerator was a motorcycle twist. Oh. It's it's the same principle, only it's actuated by your thumb. You push a little lever with your thumb. Okay. And, anyway, and they both they both have little like ding ding bells on them, <laughs> and they're and they're, they're that was the best part. Pitch. That was the best part of Steve's motorcycle impulse buy to Bo- me. Both of them are are they slightly different pitches? So if you hit them both, it, it's like a weird like like a horn like honking, a, like a weird yeah yeah yeah. It, the frequencies like feed off each other yeah. and become like more than twice as loud. Brilliant! Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Anyways, Steve was able to tow me. From on on the like not full charge that he had from South Paddock to North Paddock and almost all the way back. Uh, we had to when when you get doing that to, took up his whole charge almost the whole charge. Oh my god! Yeah. I, I think I think it was like sixty percent charged when when we set off. <laughs> when when we like get to the hills or whatever, we had to like pump and <laughs> um, and they it has regenerative braking which we didn't like really take advantage of because on the downhills like you're shitting me i think his does it automatically when you let off the gas it starts regenerative braking on yeah. john's there's a separate lever on the left that's red and you push that and it like it, shut it, the it fuck starts up. recharging with that yeah yeah it's sweet it's How really did you not ride cool. either of them i, I honestly i don't know <laughs> I didn't realize that that was like an option that was being offered. This is why we're so stoked on these electric scooters because they're rad as hell. Steve, you have to bring your electric scooter over to Pierce's house so he can drive it around the block. (laughs) Yes, do it. Although that would would make it a lot easier for me to keep up with my daughters in the power wheel because (laughs) they have figured out that like, on the on the green driving mode, not the yellow. I, I tried to keep them in the yellow mode for as long as I could, but she figured out that the green one goes a lot faster. And uh, I'm, this is a genuine I'm use struggling. case, like an actual reason for you to buy one. That's fair. I kind of get it now. So it, it it was it was when <laughs> when we were like going downhill, my scooter coasted faster than his. So I would like the slack would go out of the out of the line, and the first time oh, no. it happened, I was like. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> what do I do? Because on the electric one, it's not a big deal to take one hand off the the handlebars, like like you would riding a bike or whatever. It's like it uh, doesn't feel like you're gonna immediately fall over. If you do it on the manual one, oh no, you're gonna yeah. die. You, yeah. you feel like you're gonna die immediately. I tried carrying something from no the from the race shop yeah. to my car, and I was like, on I, your I on had, your razor scooter, yeah. And I, I you, it, one hand, it does not work. So what happened when the slack was taken up? I stopped us before oh. before like he just like, you know, zoomed off or whatever because it would have I would have fallen over. Right. Like, it would immediately have yeah, snatched yeah. you forward, yeah. right? So we realized that basically I had to act as trailer brakes for the whole like <laughs> arrangement. So when when we would like go downhill and stuff like that, I would I would stand on my brake to keep a lot of tension on it and then he would like you know, between that and the regenerative braking, he could kind of navigate the. It, it was it was wild. It was a really weird, like feeling. It's like two people trying. Like it's it's like one person operating the pedals, the other person operating the steering wheel, <laughs> which also <laughs> happened. Yeah. Uh, Did or y'all no, do that? It was blind driving, I think. No, I didn't. I I didn't even realize that they were doing that this year. Until you know, Billy like, and I won a competition of that one time. I know who. Billy Jew and I really. At the VMSC picnic one year, they had like a bunch of like autocross games at VMP one year, and me and Billy did the the blindfold 
uh, golf cart thing. Nice. And we ruined everyone else. <laughs> it was awesome. How was so your for, paper fest, Jordan? Oh, I, I want to talk about pit vehicles some more, though. Oh, okay. Go for go it, for go ahead. Just yeah, a yeah. few more seconds. Yeah, go I ahead. would like for you to convince me that the the e-scooter is not. Well, I, I, okay. Way. I mean, for the price point, I mean, I could be swayed because apparently they're a lot cheaper than I realized. I thought they were still like thousands of dollars. You can yeah. do that, but you don't need to. So okay. This is this is part of the reason why uh, Steve was convinced to purchase one. He's been wanting a one wheel, which is the like ah, yeah. skateboard style yes. go kart wheel in the middle. Those things look they're amazing. Lethal. Well, okay. I mean, maybe they're fun. They, they use but the same gyroscope tech as Segways, which is pretty cool. Does that mean that I could ride one? Yes. They're very easy. I like don't Segways were you. super easy. Anyways. They're still like seventeen hundred dollars. Okay. Uh I do believe that. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Um anyways, he's been wanting one of those, so when he saw this scooter, he was like, Four hundred bucks? Uh it's awesome. Because he right. also wants one to chase his kid around the neighborhood in. Ah. Yeah. So he okay. he'd been looking for that. Anyways, uh electric scooters, man, they're they are the bee's knees. They sound cool. I mean for for I, I don't know, I guess for the price point, it always seemed to me like you could get like a small um like a riding uh uh cooler or some other motorized thing on you Facebook could. Marketplace. You, you could get a small motorized scooter for for four hundred bucks on Craigslist for sure. But or like like an old moped that needed some work. At or, the same um, time, a Grom li- like even. literally on an electric scooter, you plug it in and it just goes. Like yeah, there's well, that's no work or fuel or oil or maintenance needed on it. You just use it. That's a grand argument. And it I'm folds down lie. like the the handlebars fold down, and you can put it in the yeah. trunk of a car. Like I could easily carry one in the fit and not have yeah, to worry about carry trailer like eighty it. in the fit. Well, I mean, the obvious answer to me is Moto Compo. However, they are completely unachievable now. Yeah, and it's still at the end of the day, it's just a neat folding gas scooter. But it's a neat. It's. Folding I'm not gas denying scooter. that it is a very cool and thing. I don't know about you guys, but it always seems to me that specifically at Hyperfest, there's kind of like a show off. Uh, element to the pit vehicle that you're riding? There could be. It definitely exists. Whether or not you guys care about it. Anywhere you go in anything, there's always a dick measuring contest Mm. happening. Hyperfest is the dickiest measuringest of all the dick measuringest measuring contests. What? (laughs) I I understood where you're going with that. I got you. Good. I I kind of agree. I tripped over that phrase like I tripped over my feet walking normally, which is why I don't believe that I can ride a one-wheel vehicle. Like, from my perspective, when I'm hanging out in Main Paddock, I've got my ugly yellow home-built trailer that I bought for $600, towed behind a $9,000 Forerunner with my old-ass Toyota, and then there's a guy next to me that has a half-million-dollar RV towing... A hundred thousand dollar trailer with a two hundred thousand dollar car in it. But that's why he's setting lap records, and, and you're spinning out on the last turn. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Speaking of ridiculous rigs, on the way back from South Carolina, we stopped at a uh, in a rest stop, and in the like RV trailer parking thing, there was a dude with a F three fifty dually with a Goldwing in the back of the pickup the pickup bed, right? Towing an Airstream. 
<laughs> this man is winning. <laughs> it's like, it was probably a platinum edition F three fifty two, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I was like, I like, I. Uh, it's just so much money. That, that sounds so much like money. such a good way to spend retirement. I like, know, but even. yeah, but then you don't have money for anything else. It doesn't matter. Live in your airstream. Well, that sounds right. rad. Where do you want to live today? I don't know. Let's go there. I want to live in the city. But anyways. Speaking of spinning out on the last turn, how was your Hyperfest experience, Jordan? I have a list. Okay. Of the times that you spun out? I only out? spun out once. All right. That's the first time I've so, ever spun at VIR, too. The, I, the, the one thing that I want to know, and I specifically have not asked you because I wanted you to talk about it on this podcast, what was your best time? Because I know that you were trying to break into – you look real mad right now. I know you were trying to break into or below 230, and I know that like on your first run, you hit like 230.4. No. My first session on Saturday morning, I hit 230.01. Oh, my God. Are yeah. we not counting that? No. <laughs> my, I don't. I it probably was faster than that because I'm my I'm using my phone GPS which yeah. is one hertz which is very not super accurate. To be fair, that is like an iPhone five. This is an iPhone eleven Pro. Well, they're up to fifteen. They're up now. to twelve now. Thirteen. It's twelve. Thirteen. Did they I, already come out with a thirteen? Yes. Something okay. just came out. I saw it on TikTok. Like literally three. So weeks this ago, was the yeah. best phone you could get last year. Okay. Okay. That makes sense, actually. <laughs> but still, they still only operate at one hertz. Like most phone yeah, GPSs all, operate all phone at one GPSs. hertz. Um, yeah. You can get the app that I use, uh, the HP Tuners Track Addict app. You can blue get a, a Bluetooth GPS antenna that will run up to 10 hertz. Um, and I've been looking into that. And there's a guy that makes a really cool 3D printed mount that goes in between a RAM mount and a RAM mount base. It's like a little sandwich plate and then holds the GPS antenna. Oh, that's cool. So that very that's cool. really cool. I might, I might look into that. But. So what does that, uh, what does that communicate with the Hertz thing you're talking about? Is there, um, there are things on the track, right? That no, no this it? is, this is all GPS based. If I wanted to run like local lap times with the hardware that's at the track, um, I would need a transponder. Okay. Um, and that usually so you, has a uh, you buy it, and then there's a subscription fee for it also, and you have to know what which kind of transponder service the track you're going to uses. Most of them are fairly standardized in this region. Um, I was talking to uh, Nathan Quigley about this, um, which is a name you might recognize. From yes, I do. Slideways. Uh, he does uh, time trials in his Miata now. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So he was actually parked right next to me in Paddock. Oh, really? Yep. Is he the guy that set the record? No. Okay. He, that guy was... Okay. So that we'll was on about, my list. We'll talk about that in a second. All right. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, but yeah. That, so, so I'm using... All right. So to interject, though. Uh, so... And I never beat that time the entire rest of the weekend. Well, okay. We'll get there. Um, uh, I, I mean, I literally only know about things from like Mighty Car Mods. They have some GPS thing that shows them like... Uh, uh, periodically throughout the track, whether they are going faster or slower, um, you know, through that section, would this thing that you're talking about, the 10 hertz thing, that wouldn't... It, it would... What it would do is is 
the it, the data that my phone is getting based on GPS stuff, which so it's my speed, my where I am physically on track, um, and then it can also it the, the app also uses like your accelerometer, so it knows right. when you're braking and stuff like that. And if I had an OBD two car, I could go even further and have like throttle maps and brake pedal pressure oh, and cool. stuff. But basically, it would just make all of my data much cleaner and more reliable and more reflective of what what's actually happening, rather than taking a snapshot every second. It would be taking ten snapshots every second, so I could know, hey, at the apex of this turn, I'm doing this speed, rather than. Somewhere in this one second window, I'm doing something resembling this speed. Yeah, but it so. wouldn't necessarily tell you if you were a half a second faster through the climbing S's. It could. I mean, because you'd be, have to be, analyze it. It, it would be more. Accurate. It wouldn't just show you that. Yeah, and yeah. the the cool thing about it is is at in in this app at the end of your session, you can go back and look at it. It doesn't just tell you lap times. It has a track map with what looks like a heat map. It yeah, goes from like red to green. Um, and tells you like what your fastest speed during this section okay. was and your slowest, like, cause it can, can knows where the corners are. So it tells you like, Hey, at in this corner, your lowest speed that you bro- came down to was this. Okay. I've um, seen Yoshi, uh, post. Mm-hmm. He uses those the same style track stuff. heat maps, uh, mm-hmm. from drift Nirvana, I think wherever he's doing things. He was in a real bad crash, uh, like a couple weeks ago. Did you see that video? It, oh, I mean, like no, he, I didn't see the video, he, he, but it always seems like he's in yeah doing some crash. Repair. He he was in a real bad one. Um, I think the I think like ended the car bad one. Not I just don't ago. believe that. I'm sorry that that E46 has been through at least three rebuilds. Yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah, so that's that's in the cards in the future if I want to really be able to analyze some of the stuff because I'm kind of limited without access to OBD2 data. Nice. That was good. But yeah, so I, I, I went out Saturday morning and I set that time and I was, you can see it in the video. I'm like, I'm, I'm watching my phone, like giving me the estimated lap time as I'm coming up to the, the start finish. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And then it goes, Two thirty oh one, and I'm like, ah, uh, <laughs> in the video. So that was Saturday morning. That Saturday was your morning. first session, mm-hmm. and then for uh, the rest of the weekend, I was chasing that. You did not improve on that time. No. I got close. So what's the point? I know, right? I should be a time attack driver. Go out for three laps. I mean, I'm good. Well, just no. Show up, set your time, and quit. That's obviously the best that you're gonna do because <laughs> it's really oh, no. fun. <laughs> also, I, I, I mean, so this was my ninth or 10th HPDE event that I've done. I took the test on Sunday to go to HPDE three and I got a hundred percent on the written test, which I was pretty happy with. So I will be doing at the next event at dominion in in November. I'm going into uh, advanced run group, which is cool. I'm sorry. I just opened a old bust head sonic charm double ipa and it i mean it tastes like gasoline this is rough really juicy easy drinking double ipa <laughs> generously dry hopped with citra and Hallertau blank hops maybe that's what you don't like a fruity pineapple and citrus flavor it's so strong it's so sharp do you want a glass 
you want to pour it. Maybe that would be better. Maybe let it breathe a little bit. All right. Yeah, let's try that. Uh, so you were talking about chasing that time. You yeah. said um, on Saturday morning. But even so, that so I really wanted to break 2.30. Um, I didn't. What was the... I mean, like, what in your mind... So did you go into Hyperfest thinking that 2.30 was the time to beat? Yes. What what set that idea in your my head? My past times. Okay, at VIR. Mm-hmm. Okay. My my previous best, I think, was like a 2.31.1 or something like that. So you still set a best time. Yeah, you still I, set I set a, a personal, personal best, best but yeah. I didn't break 2.30, which is... It's a, it's a nice round number, and I wanted to break it. But you literally went one second faster yeah. than your personal best. That's significant, bro. All right. I suppose. I mean... It, the I'm, you should have led with I I I feel like that's a big deal. As, yeah. I mean, As, I mean, yeah, it is. But at the same time, in my head, like going shaving about a second off of a two and a half minute lap isn't a huge change. I mean, it's it's enough for a one hundred horsepower thirty year old car. One hundred and five horsepower. Oh, sorry. Guy. Although after the money shift on Saturday, it might not be quite as high. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Tell us about that. So I don't remember which session it was, like maybe two or three uh, on Saturday. I was going to – also, I got a lot more point buys in this event than I'm used to. Like I was faster than yeah. a lot of people. I was crossing the bridge at one point, and I watched a 350Z point you by – and I was like, that's my man, that's my boy. That dude was not driving fast. Oh, well, okay, still, still. Um, but I was trying to pass, like, a some newer, like, after E46, I don't know the numbers anymore. Yeah. Newer than E46 M3, uh, who was driving very slow. Um, he pointed me by on the main straight. So coming out of hog pen... I'm going to the inside. He points me by. I go to the inside all the way up 7,000 plus RPM in third, go to shift to fourth, go to second, watch the tachometer go to the top of the gauge as high as it'll go for like a quarter of a second. Like, what? It's on at least 9,000 RPM for a brief period of time and didn't blow up. Yikes. I yeah, mean, didn't I mean that's that's, that's a big, great. That's a big yike. I wa- I was watching that oil pressure gauge like a hawk after that. Yeah, but it uh, it was fine. I, you know, wouldn't the normal after effect be to overheat? Because if be, the if, if, I, it, if if it overwinds that much, wouldn't the pistons be slapping the cylinder head? You and would be that worried would... about the the bottom end. I think can take those RPMs. It's more like the valve springs aren't that you'll get valve float. So you'll get piston to valve, uh, contact contact. or you'll blow up your oil pump. Your oil pump just Mm. will say no more runs or your timing belt. will skip a tooth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That makes sense. None of that happened. Uh, the, the oil pump and the timing belt are about a year old. So I think that probably saved me. Cool. Um, but it runs fine. That's good. Yep. Uh, and I was able to finish the whole weekend. Although, although on Sunday, on Sunday, uh, I didn't. F- I have no idea how long the car has been like this. It is entirely possible the car has been like this for a year, and I've just not known. 
um, I found out just from looking at one of the rear brakes, I could see where there was like lateral wear from where the brake caliper touches the backing shim of the outside pad. Weren't and, you uh, rotating tires or something? Didn't no, you say that you were... I was just looking at them. Okay. And I was like, that's weird. And I touched it and the whole caliper flipped forward like that because there was no top bolt on it. So my, I was apparently missing the top slash trailing brake caliper bolt on the left rear. And I don't know how long it's been like that. Um, was so it I, the actual mounting bolt or was it the slide so the way the rear brakes on that car are you have a a through bolt on the bottom uh front pin that holds the pin and the caliper all together as one thing like the pin goes all the way through the caliper you have a bolt that goes all the way through simple so the pin is threaded as a bolt the slide pin no uh i think it's still hollow but it, it protrudes from the other side. Who else is too drunk to talk about this Doesn't right I now? I am so, so confused. The, the I'm pin, so confused. So on the, on the, the one that, that I was missing is there is no external access to it when the caliper is on. There's a little pressed on cap on the caliper. So you rotate the caliper up and slide it off this pin. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a nut or a bolt that holds the pin to the caliper bracket that you cannot access yes. when the caliper is on. Correct. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. That cap had come off. The bolt had gone. Left. Yeah, it departed. Um, so fortunately, the only other FX-16 probably in within 100 miles was was Brian was there that weekend with his. So I went over to Brian and I said, buddy, I need a big favor. <laughs> Shout out to Brian. Brian is a champion. He was... When you and came, he, he was I just was kind say, of excited about it. Really, <laughs> yeah. I just want to say when you came to the South Paddock and you were like, "Brian, I need your brake caliper bolt," <laughs> and he looked at you like you had eighteen <laughs> heads. He was like, "Say that again in English this time." You heard me. <laughs> but he let me. He let me take apart his car a little bit and borrow his bolt for two sessions, and then we. Put it back on to go home. <laughs> what a bro. What an absolute champion. Now I have two extras from Rock Auto sitting on my <laughs> table at home that are going to be Loctited on mm. with a lot of Loctite. Well, not <clears> too <throat> much because, you. I mean, pads are, uh, what, a consumable, so. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I don't have to remove that pin to get the caliper off. Oh, okay. So it can just stay Corey there. Corey really wants to say something. Sorry, buddy. Well, no, it's fine. I, You, you said it departed. And I couldn't help but notice that you pronounced that word wrong. Departed. There it is. <laughs> it departed. Uh, anyways. This is a reference that I did not understand. Have you not Have seen you not the seen? movie The Departed? No. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you, tr- you should. I. It's the sh- most Boston movie that's ever been in, like, is filmed, that, bro. Is that the one where he goes, he's not a car? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How no, but I saw that in How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> It's on Netflix. Is it? Because I, I need highly recommend. I need. It. I have. Um, it's Martin I, I, Scorsese at his best. I, I watched. I have. I have more things. I mean, I know that you do. Yeah. I watched Steve Kilman replace the brake pads on his Miata at Hyperfest. Yeah. Yeah, because he swapped in South track Paddock. pads, right? In South Paddock, in about 
15 seconds. Yeah. Little Woods, bro. It, it was, was it was amazing. It was brilliant. Yeah. I I just pin, I went pin, to change I went to change my pants and he was done. Yeah. Yeah. You came back and he he had I changed was, his brick pads. I he the jack was out. Yeah. The wheels were tight. Yeah. He was torquing them. Yeah. And I was like, "Wait, are you done?" <laughs> I was I was going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever, bro. Fine. Let's go drink some beer again for the ninth time today. <laughs> this beer is a lot better in a glass. Good. I'm mm. glad. It's actually very floral. Jordan, you have more things. Uh, this is wildly out of order, and I apologize. That's but okay. What, so, okay. Okay. <clears throat> when I, so I left Richmond Thursday afternoon. So I spent Thursday night and then Friday night or Friday, I didn't have any sessions or anything. My stuff was all Saturday, Sunday. So Friday was like my hangout day. Yeah. So the tech inspection, like the tech shed was open. So I wanted to get that done on Friday. So I didn't have to worry about doing it on Saturday morning when I at like zero dark 30 AM. So I went through tech inspection. The car was fine. They, my, the helmet that I have been using for the last three years, with NASA that they have looked at every event at VIR at VIR twice this year, once last year at summit point, like they've, they've seen this helmet many times and it's been fine. It was an M a Snell M 2015 rated helmet, which fine. It's a motorcycle helmet, whatever in the rules of the event. When you get the email, it said it was fine. For whatever reason, at Hyperfest, they were like, you can't use that helmet. And I was extraordinarily pissed. And I was trying to find the, the wording in the email while he was there, and I couldn't find it. But I, I will say that I was at the um, commissary when that happened. Um, and I noticed that you were taking a really long time to get through tech. And you were on your phone, and you were uh, not particularly polite with the guy i i was at first and i became less so because i was like bro i'm i don't want to spend another 300 goddamn dollars today which i ended up doing so but the new i i really like this new helmet which so i and i i had kind of i had kind of planned on getting one for next season anyway because the one i had was starting to get like the interior was kind of starting to fall apart like well isn't um what what is a motorcycle helmet? Uh, what's the date good for? Isn't it only five years, anyways? Well, technically, with NASA, I believe up through this year you can use Snell twenty ten. So it wasn't the year that was the problem. It's the fact that it was a motorcycle okay. helmet, not a SA rated yeah. helmet. Okay. Which, yes, the SA is better for this application. A lot of clubs require SA helmets, but. Up to this point, it has not been a problem, and the fact that they made it a problem on this event really pissed me off a lot. Yeah, I felt that, um, so, literally because I was standing next to you and then yeah. also went into the shop with you. Fortunately, they had one of their more base model helmets in a size that I that fit pretty decently. I, I really probably should have gotten a medium but the large is fine. But I okay. did find out. So they they charged three hundred bucks for the helmet, which wasn't terrible. You can get them for two fifty on Jags, which is annoying. But, but then the dude was like, "Yo, these uh, Hans things that you got going on." That was the the nice like one two gut punch. Yeah. 
where I was like, okay, I'm gonna spend three hundred dollars on this helmet. I like we, we like you watched me. We were like I did. digging through. We we're like yep. we cannot find one in large. Oh, we found the one. The in one. La- the large. Which uh, in hindsight, they probably had a bunch in the back, but. Uh, I grabbed that, and then I went up front, and they're like, "Do you want Hans' post?" And I was like, "Well, you, originally you said no. I'm going to transfer my own, yeah. or something. Yeah, I was but then you needed a wrench or something. I, I, I no, don't remember he, what happened. Uh, the apparently the design of the post changed or something, and I had to use new ones. I don't know, but well, even though the so, ones I had were actual uh, like Hans brand from OG Racing that I bought like two years ago." So how different could they be? Well, he looked at them and immediately he was like, "Bro, you're using those? They're hot, like actual Hans. They're name uh, brand ones from OG Racing. Like, calm down, bro." And I just kind of looked at him from the other side of the counter and was like, "Yeah, Jordan, what the fuck the, are you doing?" The, the the new ones, the way that it must be the placement on the helmet or something. But like the way, I think they're farther back on the helmet, and now every time I turn my head, the actual bracket on the end of the tether like hits the han so it's really freaking annoying but yeah race car problems yeah so that was fun that really that was a great start to my saturday and probably gave me like the extra like adrenaline boost to go fast and turn for a session or something i don't know <laughs> um the other thing i had here and a couple other things actually first one was the fact that this was my first toe with the airlift rear airbags and the Bilstein shocks on the Forerunner, yeah. and that combination is freaking dope, and it makes towing so much better. The airbags are the best thing in the world, and I can't recommend them highly enough. Um, the Bilsteins are kind of whatever, but the 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 airbags are are where it's at. Highly highly recommend for sure. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention earlier that when we. When I asked you where your trailer was and you pointed it out to me, it was like, not only was it yellow, but it was like four or five inches taller than the rest of all of the other trailers. Too. Yeah, it's it's pretty high. It's high enough where the, the deck of the trailer relative to the top of the fender of the wheels is such that I can open my door <laughs> over the wheels, which is nice. I don't have to worry about hitting anything with that. I mean, I guess that's nice, but... Doesn't that, I mean, I guess I feel the car's not that low. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not hard to load it. I, just, I do have to take the splitter. Off. I take the splitter off to load it. I can load it with the splitter if I don't mind smushing it up a little bit. But I feel like that also probably means that you need to air up a lot more to receive it. Like for, for my suburban, I have to use like a three inch drop ball to meet most trailers. Oh no. Mm-mm. I, um, if anything, my I need to use a, a taller one. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what he's saying. That's what oh, I'm oh, saying. Oh, Your oh. trailer is taller than most other trailers. I Okay, yes, I got you. So get like yeah. the one that kind of comes down and then flip the ball on it and run it upside down? Correct. Mm. Is that not what you do? But I feel, all right. No, so what I, I'm have saying... the, I have the tri-ball one right now. So it's just like a straight, oh, yeah. it's a straight yeah. piece okay. of square tubing with three balls on it. But even that, though, <laughs> makes it... <laughs> You just grew a third ball for okay. 15,000. Cool. Trailer things. So that was good. Um, also, Nine Lives Racing Miata was there, and they set the all-time VIR Miata lap record. Yeah, with a borked-ass front splitter. That front splitter was hanging on by a So thread. he was he went out on your session, I believe, right? He was in your... No. no. Okay, he was right. in uh, the Ultimate Ye- Track Car yeah. Challenge. Well, we were, we were standing 
next to uh, the uh, entrance of the track where they stage and then they enter the track. We were there. I was taking pictures and videos. And the minute he left the like staging area, I knew that something was wrong with his front splitter. It was scraping just like going down the hill to get on track. And then as he came around the last turn to get on the front straight, it was like, I mean, it was like flapping, chewing the ground. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was like bouncing off the ground and the whole front of the car was like juddering yeah. as though he was having I, uh, like a misfire issue. I almost, walked but. by their paddock shortly after that. Cause I think so that's, when, I. that's when we were out like in the middle of that yeah. field yeah. watching. All three of us were together there and he was like, he was like mashing it with his foot and the whole front, like the core support and everything was moving the, with this splitter the splitter was held on by these extremely long extremely thin like steel threaded rods mm-hmm. and the little u-bolts that had that were going around them with the bolt at the top the nut at the top to hold it up had like failed and that it had the whole thing had like pulled down and that's why it was doing that well Corey and i had a moment where we looked at each other as he was like stepping on the splitter trying to figure out where it was moving and he and i recognized that the entire front end of this car was loose. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that car is f- I think I even said as much to Some, Corey. Something like that, yeah. Because it was, it was like he had these two, looked like they were aluminum, like arms coming out from either side of the engine. Uh, they were just like pipes. Yeah, it was just like a piece and, of pipe or something like that. And the splitter like, was like inserted into them with oh, like, I've seen that a, set up a, before. A, like a pin. Like a retaining A pin. through pin. Yeah. Yeah, and as he's like stepping on the splitter, those things are just moving up and down. Yeah, and we're like, what? Like it looked like he like cr- somehow cracked the frame in half on the car. I mean, like, yeah, literally the whole thing was just moving up and down. And his wife was like, "What's wrong, honey?" And he's like, yeah. "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact: They were also at Road America this past weekend. I, they drove from v- him, them, and Jackie Ding drove from VIR to Road America in a week. Well, so, anyways, like. Five minutes after Corey and I had this experience where where we are like, what a douchebag. He should not be racing cars ever. Yeah. I get a I get like a notification on my phone from Facebook that's like VIR posted a new post or whatever. And I open it and that freaking car <laughs> has set the fastest Miata time ever. One minute, 56 seconds, point two. So that shows you exactly how much I know about splitters and working on cars. I well, just, I, I don't know much have, about splitters, but they shouldn't be flapping on the ground. Well, like he that. must have repaired it somehow. Yeah. But like, how? I mean, what? I, I, I don't know. Because in my mind, that car needed to be completely rebuilt. <laughs> I'm saying. You're the chassis fabricator. It was like the whole front of the car. was. It was, I, it was so weird. It was bad, man. It was so weird. Anyways, I, I I I don't know. I mean, so I have I have one last thing to talk about my on track experience, and then I'll be done. Okay. I gave Justin Lowland a ride, uh, my second session on Sunday, just to get another pair of eyes on what I was doing, and he was like, he suggested a t- I take a different line through Hogpen, like the last turn, last two turns of the track, and. I tried that on my next session, and I very nearly died. Oh, <laughs> it does okay. not work at all for how I drive at all. Um, yeah, uh, he he wanted me to like take the left out of roller coaster wider and be more straight, pointing away from the track, like more track left 
and then really duck it in for hog pen. And I tried that. And if you do that, you can't straighten up, like, like make a straight line there at all to slow down. So you just spin, which is what I did. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and which was very scary. I haven't spun at, on full course before. I spun at Patriot in 2010 in the MR2 in the rain, mm-hmm. but I did not. Wow. I have not spun on full course. I th- um, I think that's interesting that he told you that based on the fact that he was driving like a janky ass Mark II. Dude, that thing Volkswagen. is fast as crap. It's fast, yeah. But he was telling me about all the problems. I, I don't know. He he mentioned that like so so he was driving a K swapped Honda K swapped Mark II Volkswagen Golf all weekend that apparently had like just been finished that Friday. And he had mentioned that like all the control arm bolts were loose. You know, the first time he took it out, like the steering wheel had like three inches of play in it because the rack uh, clamps were loose or something like that. And like, I don't know. So if he was telling you to take this turn in this specific way, I mean, I know that he knows what he's talking about in general, but if he was able to do it in that car, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing wrong. I just got a message from Steve. Steve Quinn? Steve Steve Kilman? He says, by very approximate GoPro maths, it looks like the lap I assume was my best was a two-minute 29. My response was, (laughs) you... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we can can, do our favorite things. Uh, but did you have a favorite car from the pit, from the paddock, just in general? I mean, it was pretty, there was a lot of the standard stuff there. There was a lot of BMWs, yeah. a lot of, you know, just the kind of standard stuff you see at a track day. Um, there was, there were two FBs and an FC and one, F, one or two FDs that were pretty cool. Um, but I think one of my favorites is probably that bonkers Alfa Romeo GTV six that sounded like the world was ending when it was going around the track. That thing was really cool. I only ever saw it on track. I never found it in the paddock. It was actually pretty like if you, uh, went down my row towards the, the shop, it was like the last one on the left. Like if you stood at the shop, you could probably see it. Oh, I I must've just missed it then. That, that was probably my favorite car. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite cars, probably. We had Pierce and I walked around for a little while. Uh, one of my favorite things that we saw was the um, uh, Mercedes. Oh, the, the FCP Euro car. Yes. Yeah. What, what, um, what the AMG GT. AMG GT. There you go. That that car was, is bananas. That thing was crazy. Yeah. Just I mean, we got to you know they had the hood open and everything. We got to walk right up to it and. You you walk up to it and stand at like the edge of the bumper or whatever, and the motor is still about four yeah. feet away yeah. from you. Back in the I got a really hood. good picture of it. I'll put it up with yeah. The, uh... That car was beautiful, um, and so wide, like so, so wide, so wide, and so fast. That dude was out there with the fastest people on track that day, putting down crazy times, and you could barely hear it. I was so quiet. <laughs> It wasn't even loud. It was so quiet. I could not believe it. I kept telling people as it was like going by. I was like, wait, listen to this car as it goes by. Here it goes. Like, is it is it electric? Like, I. It was, I mean, another car that, that stood out to me 
was uh, I had never gotten to see Jackie Ding Super up close, and I'm not the biggest fan of the Mark V Super because it's not a Toyota at all. But that's a cool car. That Time Attack Red Supra is a pretty cool build, and it's he's like the test bed for all of AMS's parts. So like the AMS Alpha Kit was modeled off of stuff that they built for his car. It's pretty cool stuff. We're talking about our favorite car at Hyperfest. Yeah, yeah favorite car. my favorite car at Hyperfest was the Drift Dakota. Oh, that thing was dope. That thing was sweet. Yeah. It was, like, aside from the, like, negative 18 degrees of camber on the front wheels, yeah. completely indiscernible from a regular Dodge Dakota, like, mid-80s. Really? It had a camper shell. Oh, oh. Well, yeah, it had, like, a you, camper you mean, shell. It's amazing. You mean in its appearance. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it apparently... Well, all right, so, like, looking at it through the camper shell was completely tube frame in the back. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. So I didn't get to actually look at it, but when I went for a shower one night, that dude came over in his car and, like, parked it right next to the shower, and I was going to go look at it, but um, while I was waiting in line for the shower, some random, some dude came out of the bathroom and saw it and, like, made a beeline for the guy and just came over and started talking to him. Like, yeah. 11 o'clock at night or whatever. Dude's just trying to take a shower. And yeah. this guy's like... like well, when like, you drive that, that's well, gonna okay, happen. So, okay. like, I mean, but that dude was making waves all weekend. And... Was that a grassroots car or was that a shop-built car? I have no clue. <clears throat> Apparently, he had an LS6 turbo engine in it. Hold on, LS6. I mean, yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, standard Corvette C- C5, C6. Standard Corvette C6 is an LS3, LS3 wasn't it? Uh, what's the LS6? LS6, I think. Was that the C5 Z06 motor? Was that not the LS7? The LS7 is the C6 Z06 motor. That's okay. the 420. I think you're right, Jordan. The 7 liter. Anyways, it just looked so boring and normal. And watching it drive was so glorious. It was amazing. And fulfilling. Yeah, so Turbo my- LS Dakota. Yeah. So as as this guy is talking to the the driver of this truck, uh, you know, I I can hear basically the entire conversation, and they're just talking about whatever, and you know, you know, why why he has it, and blah blah whatever. Right after that, uh, like that guy walks away, and somebody else immediately walked over to him and engaged him in the exact same conversation. Gonna, he, he probably again. had his, it's like mass effect. He just had his dialogue yeah. wheel. Up and, and, like. I, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to go look <laughs> at it. I'm not even going to go take a picture of it. I'm going to leave this dude alone. And then like right after that, he, the dude like pops the hood and like gets a flashlight on. He's like digging around in there. And I was like, Hey man, <laughs> you good? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just like, I can't remember what he said. He was just checking something. I was like, okay, I just want to, you know, make sure you're good. He's like, yeah, man, I'm fine. I mean, if you if you got a second, can we be friends? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but I, I just, I wasn't trying to blow up his spot. You know, it was, it was late. It, you know, he was well, tired. Good, obviously, good but. on you for your respective restraint. <laughs> but speaking of late, man, the night. Driving the the whole night aspect to everything that they did this year. That was the last thing on my list. Man, what I mean, wow! That, watching watching those cars uh, with all their neons going that really up. like fulfilled a well in my soul that I didn't know that I yeah. had uh-huh. one uh-huh. thousand percent. Yeah, it yeah. was glorious. Watch, dude. It was so good. Like 
dusk. Sun has gone beyond the horizon. I mean, it's, it's like it's a beautiful dark. gradient of like orange to dark blue of late dusk into di- into nighttime. And these guys are flying by South Paddock, coming out of Oak Tree, climbing the back straight hill into the sunset. And it's just, it was the most amazing thing I've seen that it, it was absolutely yes. incredible. I was blitzed out of my mind by that point. True. But I remember that vividly, maybe even more so because of how drunk I was. But it was, I mean, it was the combination of of the cars coming down main the main course and also the drift cars yeah. on Patriot mm, course. I was just about to say the same thing. In my mind, yeah. like, I, 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 I just, I'm seeing them all. I, I it's, I, I don't, I they hope I Patriot never. Patriot lit up to a degree well, that I've never seen them lit up But before. the drift cars all had, like, LED underglow going on. You know, there oh, was yeah. many of them that had, um, like, LED strips in their roll cages all of the e30s that were going around main course had like the strips that run up the rain channels on the roofs and down the rear trunk line man i don't know i it it was just it was it it reminded me of the moment in this is gonna sound really cheesy in uh fast and furious tokyo drift where they're drifting where what's his name is in the car with the girl. Oh, she's driving the RX eight through yeah. the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like this this like totally crazy they're all drifting like like you know, they're they're going crazy. It's they're drifting zen. the mountains. It's automotive zen. Right. The music is quiet and calm and everybody's peaceful and they're just doing it. And I'm you know, I don't know. It was like being a real life passenger in that moment. It was easily my favorite moment automotive moment of the year, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. I got, I got nothing else to add. It was, and on that note. It was incredible. Well, that was our Hyperfest recap. We'll probably talk about it more with Steve, hopefully, on the next episode. Yeah, Steve did a lot more things during Hyperfest, and he's doing more things today. Um, we'll, we'll get with him pretty soon on his Miata and the things that he's doing with it, because it's baller. And his MR2 as well, which is a pretty cool thing. We oh, haven't yeah, really yeah. talked to him in depth on that yet. Yeah, for now, you can follow him at I am understeer on Instagram. You can follow Jordan at The Daily Downshift. And Corey at C.Crean. And me at SayVedro88. And us at Beer and Backfire on Instagram, Facebook. And you can even send us an email if you'd like. Uh, shoot us some conversation topics. Beer and Backfire at gmail.com. And beer suggestions. I guess. I mean, I saw one last week that was like a Duke's mayonnaise. Oh, oh. I've seen this. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I want to try it so it's, bad. It's like oh. a Duke's mayonnaise, like tomato sandwich, like a BLT. I'm going to go ahead and end I the recording know. right now. <laughs>